Conversations with professionals for professionals in the laundry and linen services industry. This is the American Laundry News Podcast. Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Editor Matt Poe. At some point, many laundries will face overcoming a disaster. That could be something as simple as overcoming wind knocking out your power to major effects of hurricanes and flooding. In this episode, we'll be looking at ways to keep goods moving during these challenging times. Joining us on the phone from Las Vegas to discuss this topic is Bob Corfield. Bob is principal of Laundry Design Group, a professional services company specializing in the assessment, plant design, and building of laundry facilities for the healthcare and hospitality industry. Bob has more than 35 years of industry experience, ranging from equipment planning to plant operations. He's known internationally for his work within the laundry industry as an author, instructor, and speaker at industry training institutes, conferences, and trade shows. Bob, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Thanks, Matt. I appreciate your audience uh, taking time today. Let's start out with a definition. How would you define disaster in terms of laundry and linen services? Well, I wish that were an easy answer. Uh, <laughs> right. Not really what we're talking about. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just not uh, because disasters come in forms of uh, equipment breakdowns, could be a labor action, could be a utility interruption. It could be weather related that's external to your plant or facility that could uh, shut down roads or transport issues. It could be that you have a truck that's delivering um, linen supply that uh, is hung up by either uh, an accident itself or just stuck on a road where it can't make its delivery. So disasters are really coming all shapes and sizes and forms and and really how you address those interruptions in service are really what you're planning and what your uh, your management team needs to be focused on. So what are some of the common types of emergencies that laundries face? Well, let's start at the, the ones that we normally see on a daily operational basis. Let's say that there are equipment breakdowns. That would be the most common that, that most people see a major equipment. Let's say you have a plant that has a single tunnel operation. Let's say you lose the tunnel or the or, or the press or some other major component that interrupts production. There's really, that's the front line. That is something the laundry manages itself and that is going to affect its ability to do, you know, its primary role, which, which is, you know, deliver reliable service. So there's that. And for that, generally you have direct action teams that are related to both parts, um, service, external companies that can come in and also help you recover from that. And that could be a course of a few hours or it could possibly even be a few days, depending on the, the nature of the breakdown. And then there's the type of disaster internal to laundry operations, which people are most accustomed to, and that is water line or utility interruption breakages or something that takes down the power to the plant and or potentially, and that this is the, the one that we all fear the most, a fire activity within the plant that uh, would obviously involve in full evacuation of staff and people. And all way to the next one, and that is a chemical or gas element that actually, again, causes either physical harm to uh, one of your staff or employees and or causes the evacuation of your building, uh, including all your staff. So those are the the most common that we see from a direct action standpoint at the, uh, the plant level. Now, how about on the other end? Maybe there's some disasters that laundry operators haven't considered? Yeah, so one of the things that we see most, and, and I can tell you that uh, from a planning standpoint, one of the things that you, is, is important is that we now see IT elements that actually, as we did more automated laundry facilities, it could be a data interruption that actually prevents you from actually generating your work orders or communications. Uh, we, we actually are seeing critical elements that are not machinery related, but are more uh, infrastructure related that take us down. We've had facilities that 
had sewer line collapse external to their uh, the, their building. You know, uh, waste of affluent is is one of those critical elements that can actually take you um, you know take you out of operation as well as direct power and or uh, natural gas interruptions. So those are the things that we see that are not laundry controlled or even they're more building or infrastructure related, depending on your area of the country or even your area of the city. You said the word planning, and it seems that that's key to being prepared is is having an emergency plan in place. So let's start diving into planning. Let's start out with what types of plans are there and how are they developed? So there's been a real shift in in the way that planning takes place. Uh, it used to be that you used to have a, a standalone a disaster plan for every type of system, um, every particular kind of eventuality. For example, you'd have one for equipment interruption, one for fire or gas evacuation. You'd have a different plan for every application. That changed a few years ago, and actually, I would say probably you know over a decade, decade and a half ago, so that we started looking at all interruption planning. And so that think about this as a sports analogy: you plan for playing the game or the game being the action that you're dealing with. And then you make sub plans against whether it's an offensive, defensive, if it's a running play, a passing play or whatever it might be. So you actually do that. So from an emergency management or response planning standpoint, we look at an all services response plan, which would include the basic necessities that you would need in communication management to your customers, communication management to your ownership, logistics, planning, um, all the rest of it. So really we, we now look at planning and as an all response plan. And then we have subcategories or sub plans basically that would actually address specific eventualities related to the severity of, of the particular interruption or emergency response issue that you're engaged in. So that's really how that's your basic, that's your nexus of your of the starting of planning development is that you have to look at an all services plan and then you'd have to have sub plans and plays technically ready for you to run once you, you identify the nature of the interruption. What are some of the essential elements of a of a good emergency plan? Okay, great question because I got to tell you that we always start the same way. The very first thing you have to do is make sure that you look after your people and you on 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 a, as a, a person who may be personally responsible that you're looking after your family, your personal space, your personal people. For example, we always recommend that every key manager, key supervisor have a personal kind of response plan for their own family first because your people can only be helpful to you if they know that their family is taken care of and they're looked after in a certain way and that you've given them confidence that they are looked after first. So once you do that with the number of, of people who are part of your core team, then and only then can they really free themselves up so that they can actually respond to the, the emergency at hand. And, oh, and you mean, you're talking working, uh, working on the personal side of things. So that's all set and then they can focus on the work side then, huh? Exactly. So you know, let's start there. You take care of your own first, take care of your team, and then you can take care of the operations depending on the severity and the extent of the plan, for example. Let's say we have a flooding issue that's happening to a general area, and now that's going to impact your service delivery both to and from you know service centers. Then everyone who is both the receiver of your linen service as well as your own, you know, your staff may not even be able to get to you to be able to work the plant, for example. I mean, there's you have to look at staff interruptions related to weather events or other events that may actually impact that. And I use a flood, which I think right now we have some of those that have been occurring this spring in different yes, parts yeah. of. Mm -hmm. So that's one that interrupt your people from coming in to actually work and operate the equipment to provide your service. So again, you have to look at you know, staffing interruptions as one of those key elements that may be related to something that's a weather event, for example. In the case of a flood, you also may have a water quality issue. We had a hospital years ago that flooding in the area impacted the water system in this particular community, which affected 
affected the water quality coming into the hospital laundry. And as a result, we had boil water advisories that had to take place. So therefore, the water quality for washing, we had to have a backup plan for that so that you have to understand that you cannot wash with water that may be effectively contaminated and not properly filtered through the water processing systems. We had to have a sub plan to be able to handle trucked in water or how are we going to wash effectively or have formula chemistry that would actually be adapting to the water quality so that we could clean the linen and get that to um, end user site. We can go down each and every activity, but (laughs) you get to see the complexity. But at the core of everything, I'm going to say that once you've got your core team, is that communication and having a communication protocol that is clear, defined, and everybody knows their roles and their sub-roles, meaning this person's not available, who's going to take that plan? Who's going to take that responsibility? That everyone has enough cross-training and understanding of, of the complexities of what you're doing so that you can actually know that your communication to your customers, ownership, your own core team, management, supervisors, everybody knows their job communication is the most critical portion of any emergency uh, response plan. Right. I can see that very much so. Because like you said, they need to know what's going on. And if that plan's not in place, they can be dialing and not or just sitting there not knowing what's going on then. Exactly. So within every plan, let's it's going to be linen specific here. So um, we have to plan for both internal and external events required, but it's going to affect your supply. So do your customers understand or do they have in place a pandemic supply requirement? For example, if in fact you have an interruption, do they have a alternate use and replenishment for their, in other words, if they would normally change a bed every day, can they go to every one, every other day or, or every third day? I mean, do they have a linen extension, you know, requirement in case that interruption is going to last more than 48 hours, 72 hours, whatever? Do they have that supply requirement as an alternative plan that's improved by the in, healthcare infection preventionists and everyone else has bought into that that is an accepted use in an emergency situation. So make sure that that your customers understand what their requirements may need to be in that case. Can they withstand a change in use? And then next, you have to look at, do you have partnerships or relationships with companies outside the affected areas who can give backup to your customers during the time of an interruption? Accreditation and certification programs require you to actually have those agreements in place as part of your disaster recovery and response emergency management planning. And so we want to make sure that we have those agreements in place so that either an agreement with a customer to conserve use or an agreement with a service provider outside the affected area who can also help support your customers and your market the effective time period. So now you had just mentioned customers and partners and also, you know, you stress the importance of communication. How can an, an operator ensure that they can communicate with their customers and with their partners during some kind of disaster? You know, that's uh, that's the challenge. Uh, obviously, in a major weather event, for example, you could lose communication. So in part of every plan, that has to be part of that sub plan we talked about earlier, right? You have to actually be in a position where you know how you're going to communicate with your vendors, trade partners. How are you going to be able to get communication out? Where is a third party? How are you going to be able to get that information, you know, and, and share it to both your staff as well as your team members? For example, your radio communication, if you're in healthcare, that would be critical. Otherwise, it's cell phone, it's email, it is uh, landline phones, including, you know, putting people in in vehicles and and driving directly to have face-to-face meetings if it's safe to do so. In the event that you have an event at a a laundry, so for example, a a chemical exposure where you have to evacuate the facility or if it's um, fire-related and you have to evacuate your plant as well, it's knowing where your your safe point of evacuation is external to the building, where are those locations, and then making sure that everyone, including all staff, supervisors, account for everybody who's on staff those days to make sure that everyone is safely evacuated to those locations. So again, a communication and a pre 
known understanding as to what everyone's role is and what their location is. And the point of communication is, is there someone outside the affected zone that you can communicate with who can continue to monitor things from a distance and actually communicate back to all interested parties in case they can't communicate amongst each other. And that is part of your planning. That has to be part of of every disaster uh, or emergency management plan that uh, you put together. Well, now, in your experience, what do laundry, laundry operators tend to overlook when they make a plan? That's a great question. And I would say that everyone tends to overlook things that they can't imagine. And that's, it's like in every situation, it's, there's always the things you can't imagine. The thing that's going to bite you is the one you can't. It's going to be, for example, as we did in the one boiled water advisory issue with the fact that we couldn't wash with the water coming out of the system. So we had to imagine, could we get water trucked in? And what did that look like? And then we had to make sure since water couldn't come out of the faucets anymore for safe drinking, that we had to get bottled water to our staff members who were actually going to be working in, in the location. So it, it was the moments in, that you go through on those is the what are the items that you can't imagine? And, and it's most challenging. And I could go through um, everything from the type of fire or evacuation requirements that people haven't really fully thought through. Most common is obviously related to uh, you know weather events and the fact that your staff can't get into you and that the, the plan would be, oh, well, then we will use staff that's here, for example, you know, in the office to work in the plant. Well, unless they've actually been trained on how to operate a towel folder or a blind folder, right. they, yeah. they know how to sort linen, they're honestly they're no good to you unless they actually have direct ongoing experience to work in those areas, the personal protective equipment they require, you know, the how to turn machines on and off, the safe start and stop. Honestly, um, I was in a hospital. They said, oh, well, we'll bring in staff from other parts of the hospital to work the laundry. Laundry environments are industrial environments now. They are they are commercial factories. And unless you have that background and you've worked in the laundry and you've been checked out on how to safely start and stop equipment, clear a jam, you're actually better to not even be there than you are to kind of partially do it. It's almost more of a risk of the operation that you could actually have someone you know, be hurt. Right. We've been talking about various emergencies, natural disasters, and getting through them, but, and it's, it may seem kind of counterintuitive, but is there something laundries can do in terms of prevention beforehand? I mean, I mean, you can't predict when a natural disaster is going to happen, what, but what can they do beforehand? Well, one of the things that, and again, I'll use another sports analogy, but once you have a plan in place that you all agree through management and ownership and staff and, and logistics providers and everyone who may be involved in your planning is that you absolutely, just like you do with any activity, you have to visit that plan, you have to practice that plan, and you have to, to run scenarios on an ongoing basis to make sure that everyone knows their role. Everyone knows what they would need to do in the event of, of an activity. If you're in an area that you know could actually have weather events that occur certain times of years, whether they be tornadoes, hurricanes, major snow or, or rain or flooding events, you should be practicing those in the off season to make sure that your team, everyone knows their role. Just as you would in a sports team, you don't show up on Sunday to play football without practicing all week long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest failures is everyone has a disaster plan and it's dustily sitting on a shelf rather than being practiced on a quarterly basis or biannual basis or whatever frequency, depending on what your service requirements are. And if you have um, a chemical spill plan in place with a emergency uh, evacuate and recover, you should know how to do that and, and who calls the fire department and which fire department do you call and you know who's going to be there to support you. And then you need to be running, you're running that play and prepare for a disaster is the best way to be able to respond to it. 
in healthcare, we probably have the best model for that. When you look at uh, emergency rooms and you look at triage and recovery uh, management for major events, they actually have very good models on how to plan for disaster recovery and disaster emergency response. And so knowing that there are professionals that are working in direct emergencies would give a laundry operator a really good idea. Do they have inventory level management uh, to be able to withstand a 24 or 48 or 72 hour interruption? Do they have uh, backup power generators, which are kind of common on the power side? Do they have alternate uh, fuel locations? Do they have both natural gas and, and interruptible? Do they have a propane gas backup? Depending on their critical, you know, the function in, in their particular market, do they have the infrastructure in place to withstand certain types of, of emergency responses? And then the case of a fire or the case, I mean, what, how do they going to manage that. I would say that from a, a planning standpoint, is that you, it's important to, to develop your plan, get agreement, and then you need to visit and practice your plan on, on a frequent basis. Pick your frequency, depending on your organization, but whatever you agree on, then plan one. And maybe every quarter you visit one element of that plan. Okay, this is what we do if we have an external event, um, like a flood or a, a hurricane or a, or a tornado or something that affects our community. And this is how we're going to support that. If we have a major snowstorm that shuts down uh, roads for any period of time, this is how we're going to deal with our logistics provider. This is where our alternate trucking is going to come from. Let's get on the phone and call those people, that type of thing. So I would say that practicing those events, both internally and externally, are absolutely critical. Now, what about if uh, you're talking about practicing? What if a laundry operator is, is scratching his head going, how am I going to fit practice into, uh, I've got a busy laundry, how am I going to fit practicing an emergency plan? What would you tell them? Well, I hate to say it, but uh, I've had that question. But I'll tell you what, till he has a major disaster or has something happen, he'll wish that he had been practicing because there's nothing worse than everyone standing around looking at you as the owner or you as the general manager or, or the lead supervisor or, or chief engineer, and you don't know who to call. You don't know where to call. If they're looking for you to lead and you don't know how to lead in that environment, then everything will break down and it can be catastrophic. So it's one of those things that you have to make time for. It's a discipline. It is uh, is both uh, personally, you know, on, the, on a personal level, you have to make time. I would say that any operator who is working in that environment needs to have these plans firmly in place or don't go into multiple shift operation. And then I, I hear what you're saying, but I would say that the, the guys, he doesn't have time. It's not a question of when he has a disaster or emergency issue. It's a question of when. And, and if he doesn't know who to call, who to lean on, how are people going to support that? That is going to be um, critical. One more question for you. Um, if a listener took away only one piece of information from our conversation today, what would you want that to be? Expect that just as you do in most situations, safety is absolutely essential to a healthy organization, to a healthy management team, that you look at safety operations and, and your emergency preparedness planning as keep it simple. Understand the very basics that you're going to need to do and find a plan. doesn't need to be overly complex, but it needs to be something that you know that your organization can effectively do. For example, if it came down to nothing more than having a list of phone numbers and who to call for what eventuality, if it's logistics related or trucking or, or that type of thing, then who do you call for that? If it is plant related, who do you call? I mean, if nothing else, 
having a resource and knowing who in your organization you can reach, you know, reach into or outside of your organization you can reach out to, knowing where that communication is, where the people that you would need to call both from a awareness standpoint and where is that other person that you would call who can actually help you respond, whether it would be not only the fire department, police, which are technically obvious depending on the environment, but where is the uh, boiler service company? Where is the crane operator? Where is a, you know, somebody who has the equipment or the background or the experience that can actually help you start to navigate the first elements of a, of a major emergency response issue. That level of communication, understanding who you can call on is really critical. And so you don't overcomplicate your plan. Don't think it's overwhelming. It doesn't have to be. Just know that if you pick your five top items that you believe could interrupt your operations or affect your customers, who would your go-to people be? Who would your support network be within the context of that? Do not overcomplicate your plan. Keep it something that you know your organization can understand and effectively uh, execute uh, in the event that an, an event occurs. All right. Well, Bob, thanks so much for sharing your expertise with us today. Very good. Thanks, Matt. And thank you for listening to this episode. I'm Matt Poe, reminding everybody to keep it clean. The American Laundry News Podcast is a production of American Trade Magazines, LLC in Chicago. The music, titled Holding On, was composed by Poddington Bear and is supplied through the Free Music Archive. For more information about future podcasts, visit our website at AmericanLaundryNews.com or consult The Wire, our weekly e-newsletter. Also, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter to stay informed about these podcasts, along with news and information from around the industry. This has been the American Laundry News Podcast. Thank you.